0: Hello, and welcome to the first ever Tales from Harriet's podcast. I'm your host, William Ringham. I'm a former pupil from the class of 2020, and I've spent my time delving into the wonderful, weird and mysterious stories from the history of George Harriet's school. With nearly 400 years of history to discuss, I hope to uncover the most alluring moments of George Harriet's past, from the life of the founder himself up to the present day, with each episode covering different eras and the stories that they hold. And what better place to start for the first episode of Tales from Harriet's than the very beginning of the life of George Harriet himself, the founder of George Harriet School? So, where did it all begin? Well, the year would have been 1563, June to be exact, when George Harriet was born. His exact birthplace is not known. But with his family living in Haddington for many years it will have either been there or somewhere closer to or even in Edinburgh. The early life of George Harriet is rather undocumented which gave early historians and biographers a hard time to work out how he found his wealth. So where did all his money come from? There are tales of Harriet walking through Leith Harbour and finding buried treasure smothered by the sand that had washed ashore from a passing ship. Unfortunately, these tales are now considered as purely fictional. We'll have to wait to unearth the true stories regarding George Harriet and his hospital later in this podcast and in the episodes to follow. The truth is that his father of the same name was a goldsmith, one of the most lucrative trades of the time, giving the Herriot family a high place in society and giving our George Herriot a great advantage when he first started his own enterprise. Herriot's first shop or Kram, as it was known in his day, was situated at the Lady's Steps, found at the northeast corner of St. Giles Cathedral. Kram is an old Dutch word meaning booth or temporary shop at a market, which gives us a clear image of what Harriet's first shop would have looked like. Harriet's shop was perfectly located to maximise trade, and it was right next to his place of residence in Fish Market Close, just off the historic Royal Mile. Harriet was a cunning goldsmith, like his father, and a moneylender, which was noticed by royalty at the time. Now, many of the listeners that know some history about George Harriet will be able to tell you that Harriet was the jeweller to King James I and VI. However, it was due to the king's consort, Queen Anne of Denmark, that Harriet gained such a prosperous patron. Harriet was first declared goldsmith to Queen Anne on the 17th of July, fifteen ninety seven giving him direct access to the king, who subsequently appointed George Heriot as his own jeweller on the 4th of April, 1601. Queen Anne of Denmark was Heriot's most favourable customer due to her extravagant obsession with acquiring the finest jewellery to which Heriot could only oblige and provide her with what she wanted at very high prices. A letter dated 1599 from King James to Lord Newbattle, details his wife's taste for rare treasures as he declares the increasing debt that the crown owed to George Harriet due to his wife's extravagance. Harriet did such a rip-roaring trade with the royals that he was even given his own apartment in the Palace of Holyrood House, a luxurious company benefit to say the least. It is said that Harriet billed the royals no less than £50,000 for all the business he provided them, which amounts to a whopping £15,598,254.88 and pence in today's money. The almost grotesque spending habits soon got the better of the Queen, as in 1609 she realised her debts could not be paid to many of her creditors, the largest being George Harriet himself. £20,000 was paid straight away to George Harriet, with the funds coming from the public chest, today's equivalent of the government's tax revenue. Harriet's goldsmithing and money-lending businesses took a large share of the market in London, and he was close to running a complete monopoly. He was known then as Jingling Geordie, as he made a jingling sound when he walked through the streets due to the abundance of coins and gold clanging in his pockets. The royals were frequently indebted to Harriet, with accounts of money being due to him in many documents and letters. So what about the private life of Harriet? Well, this is lesser known. He was sadly twice widowed. His first wife, Christian Maedri Banks, died in 1603 after being married to Harriet for 17 years. Harriet fathered two sons with Christian Maedri Banks, and tragically it is recalled that they died at sea at a young age as their ship is said to have sunk in the Firth of Forth whilst returning from Denmark and has never been recovered. Harriet's second wife, Alice Primrose, died in 1612 at the youthful age of twenty. The painful departure of Alice Primrose was worsened, as she was soon to become a mother. The loss of Primrose to Harriet was clearly agonising, as two months after her death, he wrote in a note of paper that she cannot be too much lamented, who could not be too much loved. A clear display of sincerity, as this note was not written for the public eye. After becoming a widower for the second time, Harriet fathered two illegitimate daughters. He always acknowledged them and undoubtedly provided for their upbringing. George Harriet died at the age of 60 on February 12th, 1624, and was interred in St. Martin-in-the-Fields in London. And a portrait was painted of him by Paul Van Sommer, a notable artist at the time. The original portrait, however, does not remain in the school. And the current portrait of George Harriet that hangs in the council room is a copy by George Scougall. It still remains a mystery as to the whereabouts of the original to this day. In Frederick W. Bedford's edition of History of George Heriot's Hospital, which is a fantastic read for any listener interested in the history of the school and its influence on Edinburgh, Bedford describes the painting as so. This picture represents Harriet, apparently in the vigour of life, habited in the court dress of the time with a richly embraided mantle and an ample lawn ruff or collar. It has been observed that the fair hair which overshades the thoughtful brow and calm calculating eye, with the cast of humour on the lower part of the countenance, are all indicative of the genuine Scottish character and well-distinguished personage fitted to move steadily and wisely through the world, with a strength of resolution to ensure success and a disposition to enjoy it. Accounts of George Herriot's character have also been put in writing by Sir Walter Scott in his work of fiction The Fortunes of Nigel. Scott describes George Herriot in the introduction of his novel as worth of character, goodness of heart and rectitude of principle were necessary to one who laid no claim to high birth. I made free with the name of a person who has left the most magnificent proofs of his benevolence and charity that the capital of Scotland has to display. No words will truly be able to sum up the outstanding existence of George Herriot, his conscientious character and determined approach to life. It is something we can only all aspire to. Thank you very much for listening to the first installment of the Tales from Harriet's podcast. Please join me in our next episodes as we start to discover the curious accounts that have been recorded from the school's founding to today.